Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. Hey, what if I was to tell you that one of the most famous stories in the Bible, the prodigal son, may have actually been based on a real person? Now, I'm going to show you in Scripture where it's entirely possible. This is going to be a mind-boggling episode. So what if the most famous prodigal, in my opinion, the most famous prodigal that Jesus ever taught, the prodigal son? We all know about the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal son being, you know, the two brothers that was raised up in a wealthy, affluent home. The younger brother just said, it's time for me to get what I deserve. And I've just not been able to have the fun that I want to have. I've not been able to do the things that I want to do. I feel like I'm in a lockdown mode and I want my portion and I want to go. And, of course, we know the story. He left, and the older brother stayed. He got mad. A lot in this story that we're not going to talk about tonight. But the bottom line is the younger brother takes the money, and he goes. Well, once he goes out there, he's got all kinds of money, man. He's he's spending left and right. He's buying everybody another round. And and everybody's loving the old prodigal son. He's not called the prodigal son yet because he's not he's not been – become a legend the way he is now in this story Uh, because he's right now he's just he's living large man everybody loves him everybody's just his best friend but guess what he ran out of money and after he ran out of money and he ran out then he ran out of friends next thing you know you know the story somehow he makes it to a place where there's a bunch of pigs and the bible says he's eating from the pig trough the slop that is left over from the pigs and of course he comes to himself changes his mind on the direction of his life says, I want to go back to my father's house, goes back, and lo and behold, he thinks he's going to possibly be killed, let alone never been able to restore to the way he used to be. The father takes him back. The father loves him. And it's the perfect type and example and type and shadow of the love and the grace and the mercy of God. That's the God that we serve. Okay, so that's the prodigal son. But I'm going to take you on a journey tonight that uh, we're going to just get into some deep stuff tonight. And uh, I believe that you're going to, your eyes are going to be open to something. And by the end of this broadcast, and you got to make it to the end of the broadcast, you're going to hear something that you probably have never heard before. Because I knew I had never heard it before when I began to study this, break this down, and see this in Scripture. And I believe that I've got a really, really strong foundation for this theory, this hypothesis uh, that I'm going to show you that I believe we're going to blow your mind. Right now. So so now now stay with me because it's gonna feel like how what does this have to do with anything in the opening? He's taking us on a rabbit trail. He he's you know, you know, little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest, a little bunny uh trail. That's not what this is, okay? This is called a setup. All right. So I'm taking you down a road here 
that if we don't go down this road, you're not going to be fully able to grasp what I'm going to tell you at the end of this broadcast. So don't just skip to the end, y'all, because if you skip to the end, that's cheating. And plus, you ain't going to be able to fully understand because you hadn't been on the journey that we've been on to get us there. Okay, so let's get into this. Let me just say right off the bat right now, at the time of the taping of this broadcast, it is 2022. You may be watching this 10 years from now, uh, but right now it's at the end of 2022. I, along with every Everyone else in the world just came through the last two and a half years of storms, attacks, uh, whatever you want to call it, like we've never seen before. We we endured shutdowns, we endured mandates, we endured ridicule. I mean, people division, racial division, uh, rioting in the streets. We've got you know we've got political things that are just mind boggling that have been going on. I mean, storms and earthquakes and wars and pandemics, and masks, and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know how much of that just got me flagged in the algorithm, but but come on, y'all. You know we have been through some storms. Life is full of storms. And I'm going to talk about, I want to show you in Scripture that there's quite a few famous storms in Scripture. You know, of course, you know Jonah uh, in the belly of the well was a result of a storm. You know, we know Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of a storm, and we know Paul was shipwrecked. Uh, in a storm that was even named, it was called Eurachlodon. Gave him a fancy name, y'all. Eurachlodon. 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 That's sort of scary when you think about it. Yeah, it's like it was almost like that was the original named hurricane. So storms are are not uncommon. They're not just things that happen to modern believers. Storms in the natural and storms in the spiritual happen all the time. We have come through. Many natural storms, but buddy, we have come through a huge spiritual storm. But now watch this. There are certain storms that I believe are strategic. I believe the storms are strategic sometimes by the enemy to try to take you out so that you cannot make it through the storm because of what is about to happen in the storm. Case in point, I want to take you to a very famous storm in Scripture and, and we're on a journey, remember, stay with me, stay with me for a few minutes, don't check out, don't get bored, stay with me, because I'm telling you, for those that are hungry to know why we just went through what we went through, you need to stay with me, because I'm going to show you why I believe we've had to go through the storm that we've had to go through. This storm had a purpose. Some storms, you know, just come up because of nature. Some storms have a purpose, and I believe that this storm that that we just came through and that we are still going through, and there are bigger storms coming. Don't, don't make no mistake about it. There's bigger storms coming. If you think that's the worst of what's coming, you need to open up your eyes. Uh, you're asleep at the wheel. You know, you don't need Jesus to take the wheel. So you just need to, you need to wake up and Jesus is, you know, trying to show you and help you. And I don't know, I digress. Jesus, take the wheel. Okay. So this storm that we just came through was intentional. And I believe that this storm is a so unique storm because it is, it is a storm that is, this storm was reserved for this generation. I believe this storm had a manifold purpose. One of the reasons of what we just came through is we just we just began to see who was really serious about God. 
You know, most of the people in the modern-day church have walked away from church. Most pastors, not most, but a lot of pastors are quitting the ministry, walking away from the ministry. Churches are shutting down. Over 50% of people that were attending church no longer attend, in, attend church anymore. And of the 25% that uh, above that that was watching online has now checked out on watching online. So they've just completely checked out the church is irrelevant. So that's when we talked about talk about the remnant. The remnant is those that are left. Now, we're not better than anybody else, but this had to happen. The Bible said there'd be a great falling away, and here we are. So the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, if you're still with me, and I'm not going to read a lot of Scripture, but I do need to read some Scripture here to set the context. So on, uh, Jesus is teaching, but let me back up and just say, he just got through teaching on the great story of the mustard seed. And he had talked, he had showed them the mustard seed, how tiny it was. And he said, you see how tiny this is? This seems so insignificant, but when this seed is put into the ground and when it is cultivated, taken care of, watered, protected, and given time, it will become a tree large enough that birds will come and light and set upon the branches, and people will actually be able to come up under and get shade in the midst of the hot sun. So he was just got through teaching that series, I mean, that series, that sermon on uh, the mustard seed. And it's almost like it began to be at that point, because he, he could look around, he could see that they were not really getting the power of faith. So he said, you know, we need some life application here. We need to show you what faith looks like. So the Bible says the very next verse, after he talked about the mustard seed, Mark chapter four, verse 35, on that same day, talking about the mustard seed day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So when they had left the multitude, they took him along the, uh, in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat against the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern. That's the back of the boat, y'all. He was in the back of the boat, watch this, asleep on a what? Pillow. He was asleep on a pillow, not asleep on uh, a rug or sleep on a on a blanket or, or just something. He was asleep on a pillow. That's very significant. And and they awoke and said to him, teacher, why do you not even care that we are perishing? Let me tell you something. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, I want to help you with something. He knew what was on the other side. Not only was it a prophetic statement, hey, listen, guys, I'm trying to teach you faith, that I know what's coming in this storm. I know what's coming in this water. Right now, the waters are calm. Right now, everything looks like it's going great. Right now, it looks like you couldn't ask for nothing better. But we're going to get in that boat, and you don't know what I know because I'm God and you're not, but we're going to get out in the middle of that water, and we're going to be blindsided by a massive storm that we did not see coming. Hmm, sound familiar? That none of us saw coming, and some of you Prophets were like, bless God, I prophesied that the pandemic was coming. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You'd be you'd be blowing up right now all over YouTube as people were playing your prophecy over and over again, but you you didn't do it, okay? You didn't prophesy. You didn't know it. And if you did know it, if God did tell you that this was coming, I'm really, really mad at you, okay? Because you didn't tell us. <laughs> all right. So you didn't know that. You were blindsided by this storm. And that's what happened to the disciples. They were blindsided. They were like, why? You know, Jesus is supposed to be protecting us, and he's the one that told us to get in the boat, telling us to try to make it to the other side. Where is he, by the way? Where is he? We are dying. We are perishing all around. There's water in the boat. We're going down. Where is he? 
I know he was in the boat. You know what? You know, they're looking around. Everybody says, shh, 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 shh. Everybody be quiet. Be quiet. Listen. In the midst of the waves. They said, yeah. One of them said, I can hear the thunder. Yeah, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. I hear something else. Listen. What is it? Well, you, I hear some of you holy high rollers right now. You'd be like... Jesus would have not snored because if Jesus snored, that would have implied that he had sinus blockage. He had sinus congestion and sinus congestion could not live in the body of Jesus. <sighs> no, no. See, you ain't saying that because you ain't made it this far in this video. The people that would say that people that would people that's made it this far understands. I'm trying to make an illustration, but, but he could have been snoring. He could have been snoring just to show us that, you know, hey, you can still be anointed and snore. But I'm for the sight for the sake of illustration, they're listening, they're looking, they're trying to find him, and they hear. And they say, My God, the man's asleep. He's asleep. Look at him. Look at him over there. He's just curled up like in a fetal position. Just he's like he's smiling. Look, he's dreaming. He said, How is he so peaceful? Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, Jesus. What is it? What is it, Peter? What is it, John? Do you not even understand? How are you sleeping right now? The, I mean, my God, you're laying in water. How are you sleeping? Do you not even care that we are dying? Do you not even care that while you're asleep, the ones that you chose, you gave us all these promises of all these things that we were going to become. You told us all this stuff that you were going to do and all this stuff that I was going to do and we were going to do. And, and, and you're asleep. You're asleep in the boat. My God, man, get up, get up. Come on, help us do something. Pray. We understand what happens. Jesus got up. I'm not going to read it. In verse 39, he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Now watch this. If it was an act of God, if it was something that he would have done, he's not the author of confusion. He's already said that a kingdom cannot stand against itself. He would not rebuke himself. God would not rebuke himself. So he knew that that storm was not a spiritual storm sent by God to teach us a lesson. He knew that was an attack of the enemy to take that boat out. But he was trying to illustrate faith. He had just talked about the mustard seed. Now he's trying to illustrate faith again. He's like, while you are all panicking, I knew what was coming. Not only did I know that there was a storm doing, happening right now, not only did I know that the boat was going down, I knew the boat was going to look like it was going down before I ever told you to get in the boat. And the reason I'm sleeping is because I know who I am. Mm, 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 mm. I know who I am, and the seas know who I am, and the wind knows who I am, and the lightning knows who I am. So I ain't worried about it. And by the way, can I ask you a question? Who brings a pillow on a fishing boat in Bible days? Do you? Wait a minute. Don't even begin to think that you thought the pillow was there. The pillow was not there. There was a fishing boat. When you go out to fish, you don't go out to sleep. You go out to work. And catch the fish. You get time to sleep. So do you know what this implies? This implies that when Jesus got in the boat, they were probably looking at him a little strange because everybody else is getting in the boat. They've got him a little sandwich. They've got him a brown bag, you know, to tie him over until they can get to the other side and cook some fish. And then they load nets and all this because they know they're going to have to have some fish and provision on this trip wherever he's taking us. Jesus is getting on the boat with a pillow under his arm. 
They've got to be looking at him going, what in the world? Of all the things that he chose to bring, he chose to bring a pillow? Yep, he did. Because he knew that he was going to need some rest. It's going to be a twofold reason. He needed to teach them an illustration of peace in the midst of a storm when you know who you are. Did you hear that? You can, you can sleep through a storm and not be moved by that storm is what I should say when you know who you are. Jesus was very confident in who he was. And the second thing is, he knew he was going to need some rest for what was coming. Let me go on. Let me go on, y'all, before y'all check out on me. All right, now watch this. Here's what happens in most storms. And this is what's happening in the midst of this storm. This storm that just hit the world. This storm that just blindsided us. This storm that took down a lot of boats, quite frankly. People begin to take on water, and they panicked. They either abandoned ship, and they quit the church. Or they uh, they abandon their families, they abandon their their sense of uh, self control. They uh, they they burn bridges with friends. You know, this one got the jab, that one didn't get the jab, so you're not my friend anymore. This is a Republican, this one's a Democrat. You're not my friend anymore. Burning bridges, burning bridges, burning bridges. I mean, people panicked and freaked out. And right in the middle of it, there arose this word. It's been happening for generations, but now this famous word arose all over YouTube right now. It's called deconstruction. Let me tell you something. If you don't know who you are, when the ship starts going down, you will start deconstructing. Wait a minute. Something is wrong here. How can we be going down? Listen to what deconstruction said. How can we be going down and dying for the sake of the cause of the man that instituted this cause is in the boat with us, and he don't even care about us? Well, if God was still healing, then why didn't I get my healing? If God was still moving and prophesying, why can't I prophesy? That's what happens during deconstruction. When you start, when you start reacting to the storm instead of reacting to who's on the pillow in the boat with you, you start deconstructing your faith in religion, which you should in religion, but not in Jesus. So they start deconstructing their faith, and all of a sudden, they get, they get in the boat with, with people that they had decided was the Messiah, that they had seen him do miracles that would boggle the mind, and they turned on him like a dime. They're like, you don't even care. You told us you loved us. You called us out of our—we left our occupations. We, we left our cities. We left our heritage and our legacy that we were trying to build to follow you, and you don't even care about us. And Jesus was like, yeah, I know you don't get it. But what they didn't realize was Jesus was still preaching. This was point number two in his message on faith. <laughs> oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. So he said to him, why are you so fearful? Because when he rebuked the winds and the seas, the winds stopped and the peace, the, 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 listen, they said, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Why? Because the winds, listen, let me just read it. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no, ding, 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 faith? It's what he had just talked about with the mustard seed. Now he's talking about it again. So then he goes, he goes back to the back of the book or whatever, and the Bible says, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, who is this? Who is this man that even the winds and the seas obey him? Now, let's get to it. Because I know what some of y'all want to get to the demon prodigal. Who is the demon prodigal? When I get here, when I get to on this next point, some of you are going to jump ahead of me and think you know where well, you got it. You know where I'm going, and you're going to go ahead and check out and go watch another video. But you're going to miss the main point. So, ladies and gentlemen, this boat was in a storm, but it was it was on a it was on a mission. Jesus knew exactly where he was going. Let me tell you what happens. 
The Bible says the storm calmed. They got in the boat, and they just began to then sail again. Next thing you know, they're still probably back there talking. Can you imagine? Whew, boy, I tell you one thing. I, I hear I hear Peter especially, you know, because you know Peter was a pop off mouth. You know, he just he he just automatically got to be the man. You know, I could hear Peter Peter saying stuff like, you know, I tell you one thing. I saw y'all y'all scared to death. Yeah, y'all thought this thing was going down, but you know, y'all needed the rock. Y'all needed the rock to to rise up. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against me, y'all. Come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I had to I had to bring y'all back in faith. I mean, they're just doing all kinds of talking smack. Oh, Peter, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is over there going, they don't get it. They don't know what's coming, but they better get ready. Because all of a sudden, while they're running their mouth, jacking them jaws, all of a sudden, land, land ho. Oh, that's pirates. Sorry. And. So they get out. Watch this. Watch this. Here we go. I'm winding down. Coming down off this mountain. Y'all stay with me. He gets off the boat. Watch this. Chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came to the other side. Up, up. Hold up. Hold up. Ain't that what Jesus said was going to happen? Didn't he say that was going to happen? Didn't he say, let's get into a boat and go to the other side? Ain't that what he said? Yeah. Let me tell you something about God. He's going to do what he said. He's not a man that he should lie. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. There ain't no truth in him. But watch this. They came to the other side of the sea, just like Jesus said. To the country mm-hmm. of the Gadarenes. 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 And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met a man among the tombs with an unclean spirit. Hold up. Jesus intentionally told them to get into a boat, let's go to the other side. But what they didn't know is what Jesus said, let's get in the boat. I need to sail to the other side to a graveyard. Yep, to a graveyard. He knew where he was going, to a cemetery where dead people are buried in the ground. Mm-hmm. Now watch this. It says that they there came a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. That's a demon, by the way. Can I tell you something? I know I've been talking a lot about demons on this show, but I need to be talking about demons on this show because demons are tormenting people in this day. Witches are running rampant. The occult is on another level. Christian homes are inviting demons into their home through their television, through their through podcasts and all this kind of stuff. Bless God, I'm telling you what, right now, demons are running rampant all over this nation right now. There needs to be a generation that will rise up and not be afraid to talk about demons. Well, you found a channel that ain't afraid to talk about. He dwells among the tombs. In other words, he lives there. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what your living situation is. You, you, you're probably like most people. You don't live in a big, giant, fine home, and, and you're doing the best you can. And whatever level of, of income you have and whatever level of house you have, I guarantee you this, it's probably better than living in a cemetery. So there are people around the world that still live among the tombs, but this was one man that lived among the tombs, and he ran to the boat. As soon as he saw the boat, he ran to the boat. Watch this. And, and the Bible tells us a backstory of him, very quick backstory. It says no man could bind him. Not even with chains, because when they put the chains upon him, he would break the shackles and the chains. The chains would be pulled apart and the shackles would be broken into pieces and no one could tame him. They considered him to be like a wild animal. He was like a werewolf. He was like a, some kind of weird horror story monster. 
And by the way, he was naked. They, his clothes, they could not keep clothes on him. So here's a naked man, scars. The Bible says he cut himself. Listen, let's just read it. Always, night and day, he was in the mountains of the tombs, crying out, screaming, screeching, howling, and cutting himself with stones. This was not just some, ser- some, some minor demonic oppression. This was full-on demon possession. And he... So this, so you, can you imagine? They get out of the boat. Here comes a naked man, fully naked, runs up to him, blood, blood, scars all over his body, dirt. I mean, there's no telling what this man looked like. Cuts and uh, gashes all over his body where he'd cut himself, trying to, to limit the torment of these demons. The disciples were freaking out. Because not only you got to ask the question, who brings a pillow on a boat? Second question is, who gets in a boat to go on a cruise, a very intentional, planned cruise, to a cemetery? And number three, because you're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the all-knowing, you know there is a massively demon-possessed man that was probably famously known in that area that lived in that graveyard that you docked at. So the Bible says that he begins to deal with the demons that are in this man. Let me ask you a question, though. Did Jesus go after the demons, or did the demons go after Jesus? Here's the reality. There is no biblical record of Jesus having a prayer line, and I'm not, I'm not being mean here, and I'm not being critical of methods. I just want to illustrate something about the power of Jesus to you and the presence of God. All it was was his presence, He was not preaching. He was not teaching. He was not on YouTube. He just stepped out of the boat. And when he did, the demons were tormented. They thought it's about to go down. So they, this man, out of a desperation, runs to Jesus. And the demons begin to talk through the man. And the Bible says in verse 7, the demons said, what have I done with you? What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Let me tell you something. If you don't know who God is and you want to deny God, let me tell you something. The devil knows who God is, and every demon in hell knows who God is. And if every demon in hell knows who God is, every demon in hell is supposed to know who you are. Let me just give you a little nugget here right now. If you've made it this far, come on, 25, 26 minutes into this broadcast. If you've made it this far, let me, let me give you something right now. Every Christian is known in heaven because their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but not every Christian is known in hell and known by demons. I'm telling you, the only ones that are known in hell and known by demons are the ones that are, are wreaking hell on hell and dealing with the demons. I'm telling you right now, I've determined in my life, I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know that I'm known in heaven, but I'm on a mission to make sure hell knows who I am. I'm on a mission to make sure they know, my God, he's in front of a camera again. My God, he's on a podcast again. My God, he's, he woke up again. He's preaching the gospel again. How about this one? My God, he's still breathing. Because watch this. I don't even have to preach for demons to know who I am. Do they know who you are? He says, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Watch this. He ain't say nothing about tormenting him yet. He just was walking. Let me tell you something. You better, you better find out how to be with Jesus. Because when you were with Jesus, Jesus didn't say nothing. He just strolling, strolling through the cemetery. And the demons are saying, don't torment us. Don't torment us. Don't torment us. Jesus looks at him in verse 8, calls him an unclean spirit. 
He says, he separates the man from the unclean spirit, by the way. See, here, let me give you another uh, lesson, all you that believe in deliverance and you want to do deliverance ministry and everything. Be very, very careful to remember that the enemy is not the man. The enemy is not the woman. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. They're being tormented and led by demonic spirits. They are the host of those spirits, but we're not dealing with them. We're dealing with the demons. So he says, he separates the man from the unclean spirit. When he says, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asks him a question. He says, he looks at the demon, not at the man. He looks at the demon. He says, what is your name? And the demon replies, my name is Legion. Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly. The demon begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. I'm coming back to that, and I'm finished. Can I tell you something about Legion? Let me tell you how many demons this man had in him. Let me tell you why no chain could hold him. No rope could hold him. No one could tame him. He couldn't keep clothes on his body. He couldn't live anywhere. He had to live in the one place that Jewish people did not want to go. And another reason why Jewish people didn't want to go, and I'm about to tell you. Legion means, in, the, in, those days, in that day and time, it was a, a legion was a Roman Empire term. It would have consisted of 6,826 men. I'm going to say that again. 6,826 men. That's the equivalent of the number of demons that was in this one man. Wow. What? And Jesus didn't do nothing but walk. Didn't do nothing but just get out of a boat and every one of them. And the head devil that was inside there spoke up. So they begin to beg him for, for a very unique request. Watch this. So they knew they were about to come out because Jesus said, come out of the man, unclean, you unclean spirit. So they knew that it's coming out. This is one of the most interesting things in Scripture. It says in verse 11, they, now a large herd of swine. You know what swine are? They're pigs. There was a large herd of pigs feeding there, feeding there near the mountains, there in the graveyard, which was in the valley in the base of a mountain. So in the same region where there was graveyards, where there was a graveyard and cemetery and tombstones, there was a massive amount of pigs. Keep that in mind. The demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine of the pigs that we may enter them. In other words, they understand they can't do anything on their own. Now, some of you might have been spooked out of whatever, and a demon might have knocked something off a shelf to try to scare you, make you think it was a ghost. But here's the reality. Demons can't do anything without a host. So they're like, okay, well, if we can't be in this, then the only man that's here is this man, other than the ones that came with you, and I know you ain't going to let us go in them. So we're looking around, looking around, looking around. The only thing that's left here is pigs. Put me in the pigs. What's what happens? Jesus. Jesus is awesome, y'all. Jesus is awesome because Jesus was playing the big picture. I'm telling you right now, there were things going on at this moment that nobody knew except Jesus, not even the demons. Jesus was on a big picture mission here. He's still preaching. He's still preaching the mustard seed, y'all. He's still preaching the mustard seed. He's still preaching faith. Watch this. And that Jesus gave them permission. Notice that word permission. In other words, demons can't do anything without permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine, which were about 2,000. That's a lot of pigs right there. But that ain't all the pigs that was there. But that was 2,000 of them there. 2,000 took on the, the, the distribution of the legion of demons. And the pigs, if the pigs could talk and pig talk, if pigs can talk to each other, and if we could interpret pig talk, it'd be like, what, 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 what in the world just happened? I'm telling you right now. I don't want these things. Do you want these things? I don't want these things. I was just wanting to be a pig. I just wanted to wallow in the mud. Now I feel like I want to just kill myself. I want to run into that mountain. I want to jump off a cliff. I, I was a happy pig before now. Now I'm a tormented pig. I'm a demon-possessed pig. 
I ain't never thought about that before. A demon possessed pig. You understand? This was 2,000 demon possessed pigs. They's like, no, I'd rather just go on to pig heaven if it exists. And one of them just says, let's go. And remember, there's a mountain. They just run off the mountain down into a steep place and into the water and drown themselves. They said, we don't want them. Listen, if a pig don't want a demon in their life, why are you, why are you embracing him? If a pig is smart enough to say, I don't, you ain't coming in my house, why are you letting them in yours? Mm. If I have a Hammond B3 organ right now, I'd be like, Somebody shout, preach, preacher. Yeah. I'll be preaching like this. I mean, oh, yeah. If a, if a pig, if a pig uh, didn't want a demon in his house, why you want one in yours? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just in a good mood tonight because I like destroying the works of the devil. Now, watch this. I'm, I'm ending. I'm ending. I'm ending. I'm ending. So something interesting happens. When the pigs run down into the region, of the water and into the water. Standing afar off out of the cemetery, away from the man of the Gadarenes because they were scared to be around him, were people watching all this go down. Who were these people? They were the feeders of the pigs and the keepers of the pigs. Verse 14 says, So those who fed the swine fled ran into the city and into the country and told it. Now, remember, the demon said when he was begging to go into the pigs, do not send me out of this country. These were not demons. This was a demon. This was the head demon. This was the spokesman for the legion of demons. The Bible tells us that there are four levels of attacks that we are four levels of authority, if you want to call it that, in the demonic realm. When he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We wrestle against rulers of the darkness of this world. We, rule against, we wrestle against powers. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. But the principality is the highest form of demonic authority under Satan, meaning that there are certain demons that are over regions and countries. They're known as principalities. And this was the voice of the principality of not just the Gadarenes, but of the country. Stay with me. Don't send me out of my place of authority. I have this place on lockdown. So when the people that fed the, fled, the, fed the pigs fled to the city and told them what had happened, they were very angry. Not happy that the, that the man that had tormented them and they had heard their, his screams throughout the night was free. No, they were mad. Watch what happened in verse 15. They came to Jesus and said, uh, they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting, now clothed. Somebody gave him clothing and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Shouldn't they have been afraid before? Why are they afraid that he is now peaceful? Why are they afraid that he is now clothed? Why are they afraid that, that he's not having to be chained up? Are y'all getting where I'm going here? And those who saw it told him how it had happened and what had been demon-possessing about the swine. And do you know what the people did? 
Instead of going, my God, what a miracle. Pray for my child. They looked at Jesus and begged him to leave the region. The region. Now, I'm almost through it. I'm about to blow your mind. The reason that you signed on to this broadcast is about to be shown to you. In one moment. I want you to know something. If you're tormented by demon spirits and somehow you stumbled across this channel, across this program, listen to me. If demons are tormenting you at night, if demons are tormenting you through the day, if demons are tormenting your children and your family and your home, can I tell you something? One moment, one encounter with Jesus can change anything. If a man who has almost 7,000 demons in him and probably possessed by the out, the absolute ultimate demonic authority over that region, the principality was in him as well, was all, was all gone. They all left in the presence of Jesus, in the spoken word of Jesus, simply saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And they had to obey. Then I want to let you know that tonight, today, early in the morning, late at night, whenever you're watching this, God can deliver you. You first got to know that your heart is right with God, and then you let God. You speak with authority and tell that devil to go. Now listen, Jesus did not get in the boat and weather a storm on a pillow, speak to the seas and the winds to come, and then navigate a ship. Because remember, he was in the back of the ship, which is where the rudder is. He was steering the ship to a graveyard to meet a man that was legendary, that was probably one of the most demonically powerful, possessed human beings to ever live in this earth, certainly in the days of Bible times. Famous. He was famously known, y'all. He was famously known. He didn't come there to stay. He came there for one man. Jesus got in a boat, and he had all the disciples to come with him. And the Bible, don't forget the Bible says a bunch of other little boats came as well. So we don't know how many people got off on that shore. And they're all standing there wondering, why are we here? And Jesus is trying to say, let me tell you something about faith. Faith, faith needs to be demonstrated. And I want to show you that if God can do what he's about to do in this moment, then he can do anything. And the Bible says that as Jesus was leaving, he didn't argue with the people of the region. He, he said, okay, I'll leave. He's getting in the boat, and watch what happens. The demon-possessed man begged him that he could go with him. Wouldn't you want to go with him too? However, Jesus did not permit him. He said, you can't go. But he gave him instructions. He said, go home to your friends. Listen, go back home. <laughs> Ooh, I feel God right now. Go back home to your friends and tell them all, of the great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. He didn't say just go home and tell them that you got set free. Go home and tell them that you met someone that showed you compassion. And here's why he said that, because this was a man who did not deserve compassion in the eyes of others and even in the, certainly in the eyes of the man himself. So he reluctantly departed, verse 20, and he went back to his region, his nation called Decapolis. Mm, some of you already students of Scripture know where I'm going. And he began to proclaim in Decapolis. His home was not the graveyard. He, didn't, he wasn't told to go back to the tombstone. He was told to go back to the house that he had left. Mm -hmm. 
in Decapolis and until all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. See, here's the bottom line as I close. I promise you this is the closing, but this is the most important part of this entire program. That was in Mark chapter 5. Now, it only took two more chapters, and I don't know exactly how much time that would be to get us to Mark chapter 7. And in Mark chapter 7, something very unique happens. So everybody gets back in the boat. They all leave the graveyard. They're probably all just talking about it. They can't believe what they just saw. And as the boats are disappearing, they're all looking back, and they're seeing this tiny man getting smaller and smaller and smaller, standing in the middle of the tombs, just watching Jesus as long as he could watch him, fully clothed now, smiling, hands raised, probably praising God. And when he finally couldn't see Jesus anymore on the water, he turned around and he goes back to Decapolis. And that's the end of the story, right? No, I don't think so. Because two chapters later, the Bible says in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, listen, Jesus is on his mission. You know, he's just been going around intentionally preaching in different cities. And again, oh, I feel God right now. It says the word again. Verse 31, again, departing the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis and the region of the Sea of Galilee. Does that sound familiar? That's where he was. That's where he came to Decapolis. The Gadarene, the cemetery of Decapolis was the Gadarenes. And as he came from the sea to the, to the cemetery of Decapolis, he comes back again. But look at the difference. The first time he arrived there, there was a one-soul, demon-possessed, tormented man in a graveyard. Watch what happens the next time he goes back to the same region. Verse 32, and they, meaning the people of Decapolis, begin to bring to him the, those that were deaf, those that had impediment of speech, and they begged him to put his hands on them. And he took them aside, and he took them aside from the multitude. He put his fingers in their ears. He spat and touched his tongue. Do you understand? The region of Decapolis was known for something very, very interesting. It was known as the only place in the land of the Bible that bred the most unclean animal there is, the pig. There were more pigs and swine in Decapolis by far than anywhere in all of the Bible region. And that is why there were so many thousands of pigs there. So as I was studying that, I began to realize here's a man who was isolated who was tormented, who was living among the pigs. And my mind went back to another man, which is, we never thought could have been a man. It was a story. It was a parable. We understand that when Jesus teaches a parable, it's not, even talking, it's not usually talking about a specific person. It's talking about, uh, here's an example of all of us. Here's an example of all, how we all can relate. And he tells the parable of the of this young boy who left his home high and mighty, full of money, but lost it all. And only to find himself at the end of it all, when everything turned around, eating the slop that was left over from the pigs that he was feeding and taking care of. There would only be really one region where that would happen, and that would be the Gadarenes and the country of the Decapolis. It was known 
the the people of Decapolis were were the descendants of those that Joshua and Caleb drove out when they took the promised land. They were known to be worshipers of Baal. Do you do you know what worshipers of Baal did? They cut themselves. Go back and read the story of when the the worshipers of Baal fought Elijah on Mount Carmel. They cut themselves. The demons of Baal were in this man cutting him. All the things point to the fact that here was the prodigal son. Now, why do you think he was a prodigal son? Because when a man, one man who has been known to be somebody that you don't want to be around, that you, that you don't want to listen to anything they have to say, it goes back to his city, to his region. And all he does is tell. He doesn't just show them that he's free. He begins to tell them about how he got free. Why would anyone in such a region, a well-off, well-to-do pagan religion region, hear anything to do with Jesus? Jesus wasn't standing there. They was hearing it. How can the place that is known for Baal worship in two chapters have heard about Jesus on such a level that when he, they see him walking, instead of a demon-possessed man running towards him, families are running towards him, throwing their children at him, grabbing his hand and slapping them on their wives who has cancer, slapping the, are y'all hearing me, grabbing the people that are lame and shoving them in front of Jesus? Who had the kind of authority to change a region like that? It had to be the man in the, the of the Gadarenes. It had to be the demon-possessed man. And the only way that he had that kind of a voice is he must have came from affluence. He must have came from a wealthy home. His story must have known, been known throughout. They, they probably his family, his father must have been mocked. You, you gave him everything, and we hear him screaming every night. Not only did he forsake you and forsake us, but he is so filled with demonic spirits. He's never coming back to you. But watch this. The whole re he's never coming back to you. But if, 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 and I'm not saying this emphatically, but if, if in any way the prodigal son was based on the man that lived among the tombs, it would make sense. Because remember, our father God is represented in the, in the prodigal son story. Every day he went out and looked for him. When others mocked him, even his own brother, even the, the prodigal son's own brother, couldn't understand why do you still believe that he's alive? Why do you still believe there's any hope he'll ever come home? But the love of the father never stopped looking, never stopped looking, never stopped loving his son. He was legendary. Whether he was the prodigal son or not, he had to have been a legendary known man, not just because of, of the demon possession, but he must have come from affluence. He must have came back. And when he came back, he came back with a name. He must have had a very powerful name, a very influential name in the region of the Decapolis because they began to listen to him. His, his name, his reputation, his family, his house that he was now living in again, that he had been restored in standing next to his father, blessing him and saying, listen to my son, listen to my son. Could it be that the prodigal son was the demon-possessed man in the Gadarenes? There's a lot more to it that I couldn't get to on this program. But I'm going to tell you something. It's the gospel according to Larry. It's not, I can't prove it to you scripturally. And I'm not saying line upon line it was him. And I'm certainly not saying that it's not applicable to us as a people when we are prodigals and our children are prodigals and that we can still hold on to that same parable and story that we have. But how much more powerful is it if there's any chance 
that the prodigal son was not just a restored son who had who no longer could buy another round at the bar, but remember when he changed his mind. The Bible says, and he came to himself. When Jesus is telling the story of the prodigal, and he's literally eating the leftovers in the slime and the spit of the pigs, the Bible said something happened in the monks, the pigs, and he came to himself. His mind became clear. And the Bible said when the people of the Decapolis came and saw the man, they could not believe that his mind was clear. And where was he? He was standing right in the middle of the pig pen. If you've got a prodigal or a a prodigal son or daughter that you've been believing God for, can I tell you something? They're not too far gone. And if you are a prodigal, you're not too far gone. Let me pray for you. In the name of Jesus right now, God, show them Show them first. Those that are watching, they are not too far gone. They've not said too much. They've not done too much. There's no too, there's no sin too big for, for you, God. They may be literally eating from a spiritual pig trough right now. But can I tell you something? Somebody just stepped off the boat. Jesus just walked in that room. Jesus just walked in that car. Jesus just walked in that break room. Jesus just walked in that classroom. Jesus just got in that bed. Jesus Wherever you're at on that lawnmower, listen on the podcast, Jesus just moved in. And those demons have got to go. It's time to go home. It's time to get free. And it's time to go back to your father's house. Because when you get back, God's going to use your testimony. And I'm talking about an entire region. You're going to have influence. Because people are not going to believe that you, of all people, came back to God. Come on. Come on home. Come on home. Just say, Jesus, forgive me my sins and come into my heart and save me. If you've got a prodigal son or daughter that you're believing God for, can I pray for you that you'll have hope and not give up? Father God, give them hope. Give them hope, God, that if God, if Jesus can intentionally preach a message and use a demon-possessed man in 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 a cemetery as the final closing point of his message on faith, get in a boat and weather storms, go through every uh, all of hell, all that hell could release against him. He weathered it all for one man, the one most unlikely person, the one that no one else would have went to except Jesus. That's your son and that's your daughter. Everybody else may have given up on him, but you haven't. And don't you give up because if you give up, they ain't got nobody. In the name of Jesus, give them peace. Give them a sound mind that the prodigal is coming home. So ladies and gentlemen, you've been blessed. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share this uh, podcast, broadcast. It would be a blessing to us. See you next time on The Big Picture, where we are not woke, but we are certainly awake. And we ain't afraid to cast out no devil. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.